Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. If you would want to be a part of the show, you could always give me a call or you could contact me on any of the contact links in the description of the show. And if you would write the show, I would appreciate that as well. Uh, last week, I detailed my latest cruise adventure that took us on that Princess Discovery cruise uh, from Los Angeles to San Francisco and Santa Barbara and San Diego and Ensenada. Uh, it was my first post-pandemic cruise. It was my 12th overall. It was my sixth different cruise line that I've been on. And, and it's, since it's been a while after talking about it, it's been a while since I did a large-scale cruise industry update. And I wanted to talk to a cruise expert to talk about the state of the cruise industry and where it's headed from here and where it's come from since the pandemic and during the pandemic and now after the pandemic. So I invited Colleen McDaniel, the editor-in-chief for the wildly popular and helpful cruising website, Cruise Critic, to be here on the show. I've used Cruise Critic, especially the message boards, many, many times. A lot of other reviews I've read through them. So I've gotten a lot of great information from Cruise Critic uh, over the years for my cruises. And I'm glad to uh, be bringing Colleen here on the show. Colleen, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So I want to talk about the industry, of course, and what was like before the pandemic, during and, and, and now. But but let's get into all things cruising after we talk about your love of cruising. What is your cruising history? Yeah. Well, you know, um, what's really cool is I was a cruise fan before I joined Cruise Critic. Um, and actually, I used the site uh, as a resource. So um, when I started thinking about, boy, what do I want to do next in my life as a journalist? Uh, I looked at Cruise Critic and um, they had an opening. So uh, I was very lucky to be hired to really write about, edit and um, lead content teams in an area that I just truly love. Um, I've been on now more than 100 cruises, wow. and it's still one of my favorite ways to travel the world. How many cruise lines does that include? Oh, um, a couple dozen, I would say at this point. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I, it, I, I know there are a bunch of cruise different. Li- I mean, there's, there's obviously the the big, the main ones. And uh, of course there's some river cruises and I think there's some European ones, but that that's a lot of, that's a lot of cruising. It is a lot of cruising, but I really, truly still love it. And I can honestly say that no two cruises have been exactly the same, Um, even though I'm lucky enough to get to visit some of the same destinations time and again. I I always find something new and there's always a great new experience. See if you agree with me on this. I think the best feeling and the worst feeling on a cruise happens in the exact same spot on the gangway. When you first get on, it's the best feeling. And then when you have to disembark, it's the worst feeling. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you've got that excitement when you're walking on board and then, you know, you're, you're leaving and it just, uh, it, it, it's that feeling of dread. You got to get back to the grind. My guest is Colleen McDaniel, editor in chief for, uh, the website cruise critic. Uh, let's go back to before the pandemic and talk about the cruise industry at that time. How was it at that point? It seems like it was really robust and there were a lot of people cruising and it was just growing and growing. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, cruising was really having its heyday. Um, 2019 was the biggest year ever for cruising, and everybody was really looking forward to a, a terrific 2020. We were seeing more berths at sea. We were seeing brand new ships coming. 
We were seeing the strongest booking numbers we'd ever seen. Um, cruise lines were offering cutting edge technology. Um, and truly, the industry was making inroads and disrupting land travel as an option. Then the pandemic hit and travel as we knew it stopped. And, and I bet one of the most challenging aspects for the cruise industry during the pandemic what was having to send all of those employees from all over the world because we both know that uh, the the ships they hire uh, folks from all across the world they had to send them home while still trying to operate some of the ships and try to figure out how to keep those boats afloat well you know what happened was uh march 13th of 2020 cruising shut down worldwide um, and, and so, but that didn't mean that there weren't still ships that were out to sea and they needed to get passengers back and they did need to get those crew members home, which was a challenge. In some cases, they got cruise members, uh, crew members home by actually on the cruise ship. In other cases, they brought them to land and flew them home. Um, but it was, you know, a logistical challenge for sure, because there are, you know, on some of these big ships, there are thousands of employees that they're trying to return to their homeland places like the Philippines and yeah. Indonesia and India um, and, and, and during a pandemic. And that was a real logistical trick. And, and there were ships that were actually carrying people that, that, were, that had people that were sick that were just parked out in the ocean that weren't allowed to get back and let those people off. Yeah. And we did see that early on in the pandemic when the reality is nobody knew how to handle COVID and the related issues with it at the time. So unfortunately, we did see some ships sort of stuck for a little bit while governments and all the associated agencies tried to figure out what to do. Um, by all accounts, the cruise lines did work with passengers and crew on board to try and ensure that they could get home as quickly as possible. But there were challenges around actually getting them off the ship initially. And I remember, because I was following some of the news at that time, it almost felt that this is this, and, and I think people were asking that question, is this the end of the cruise industry as we know it? Is it going to change? Is it going to be able to survive? These companies are bleeding money, and, and how can they keep going on when they, they don't have any passengers? We don't know when we could bring passengers back and, and what that would look like with masks, with vaccination. I mean, it was all right before any vaccinations were, were out there. It was, it, I think it was really a scary time for especially those CEOs and the people running the cruise industry. Uh, for sure. There was a lot of uncertainty. You know, we were all wondering how long this pandemic would last. I remember, you know, short-sightedly making plans with friends for like a month later <laughs> when it first happened. And just obviously that wasn't the case. Um, but there there was a lot of uncertainty and cruising was shut down um, in the U.S. for uh, for the better part of a year. Um, and, but it didn't mean that the cruise industry was sitting still. They were making plans for a return. They were working hand in hand with CDC to make sure that they could keep passengers safe and they could come up with a way for a safe return to cruising. Um, the industry has been incredibly resilient over the years um, and finding ways to, to make changes and adapt as necessary. Uh, and so as scary as it was and and as many you know many cruise lines had to do cutbacks um and many cruise lines did actually divest themselves of older ships um you know to to make sure that they were operating at, at the highest margins when they were able to return um the the feeling honestly in the cruise industry was we will return we will be strong uh but it it was 
a long time without cruising. And that was very challenging for the cruise industry and and honestly for anybody in the travel industry in general. Yeah. And my guest is Colleen McDaniel, editor-in-chief at the website called Cruise Critic. You can see him at cruisecritic.com. Uh, you know, and Cruise Critic isn't just a place for message boards and for people to put reviews out there about their cruise adventures. You, you can book a cruise on Cruise Critic as well, right? What were the cruise planners doing at that time when nobody could book a cruise? What happened to the website? Not only yours, but uh, I'm sure throughout the travel industry, it was being hit. Uh, yeah. And again, I think what really kept people um, afloat during that period, excuse the pun, it was not intended, <laughs> was yeah. was that um, they were able to book out farther. So, um, yeah, early on, what happened, and this isn't surprising, is, you know, the cruise industry would cancel several months worth of cruises, say, hey, we'll return on such and such a date. When it became clear that they couldn't do that, they would move it out a couple more months, but they wanted to get people back on as soon as they could. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, people who are loyal cruisers, people like you, people like yeah. me who love cruising, uh, helped the industry come back because we knew that we wanted to get back on board ships, that we wanted to be able to, to, to cruise and take our vacation the way we love it. And so loyal cruisers really helped with that initial comeback. And it did help, um, with just keeping bookings on the books for some of those travel agencies that you're talking about or um, online travel agencies. And it, it, it helped them keep the lights on and get through a, a pretty dark period. Yeah, and cruising, as you just mentioned, it did start to come back about a year or so ago, but it was with masks and it was with vaccinations and there were strict regulations about how you get on the ship and when you can take these tests. And then there were some ports that would let you on, uh, let you off the ship and others that wouldn't. And, and I have to imagine there, there had to be a mix of customers, some who couldn't wait to get back on, like maybe you and me and, and, and others who said, uh, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this situation either now or, or maybe for quite some time. Yeah, well, you know, as with uh, any health decision, it certainly is a personal decision. Um, and I, I think that a lot of people felt like what the cruise lines were doing with CDC in particular was a really effective way of getting people safely back on ships. We routinely surveyed our readers and um, what's interesting is in the beginning, cruisers said, boy, we're not going to go back on ships if we have to wear masks. And that was really early on when it was just a suggestion that was being tossed out there. We saw a 180 and, it, it, you know, in terms of surveying and as the pandemic extended, we saw people really saying, I would not cruise if masks weren't required. I would not cruise if vaccines weren't required. So um, it was a real shift in mindset. Of course, there are some people that that is not how they want to cruise. And for them that they didn't cruise during that period, um, we are seeing an easing of those restrictions really across most of the cruise lines at this point. Um, and and so those people who said, yeah, I don't want to cruise in those circumstances are, are certainly coming back now. Yeah, and my, my in-laws are, are ones that actually tried to get on a couple of cruises during the pandemic and and they were actually able to get on one after they started uh, allowing from some folks back on with, with the mask and, and with the vaccination status but my father-in-law still he, he one of the days he was on the ship it was maybe day two or so day three he he didn't feel well so he went down to the infirmary and they tested him and he tested positive for covid so then they quarantined him put him in an uh, <laughs> inside cabin you're there 
your wife is in their your cabin. You you guys are separated now for the rest of the cruise. And as soon as you get out, uh, we get back to uh, Miami. Then we're gonna uh, take you and put you on a in a taxi and send you to the airport. And that's that's we're done with you. Um, so I mean, there was still a lot of that, and and I think that freaked out a lot of people to to either no, I'm I'm not I'm not feeling sick at all, or uh, the people that were on on board and and didn't want to be around the COVID. They 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 probably felt that that was, you know, maybe necessary by what the cruise industry was, was doing to some folks. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that the cruise industry did do is um, set up what you're talking about. They set up cabins that were exclusively reserved for people who um, might contract COVID because the truth is, and we've seen this, even if you're vaccinated, um, even if you've taken all the appropriate precautions, um, you still can get COVID. It still does happen. It happens on cruise ships at a far reduced rate of where it was happening on lands. Um, and I and I say this speaking about the time when the cruise lines did have those restrictions in place. The airline industry didn't have requirements around vaccines, and um, and neither did hotels or resorts. So um, we did see a, a much reduced rate when you compared cruises to other land vacations. But cruise lines set up precautions for when and when it would happen on board so setting up those quarantine rooms um we did survey people and a lot of people said they were less concerned about um cruising and getting covid than actually being quarantined or stranded um as a result of contracting covid that was a real fear for people um early on and and certainly uh, that's an understandable fear and now it seems that the cruise industry is basically going like the rest of the country is fully back to pre-pandemic normalcy with no COVID restrictions. You don't have the vaccine restrictions. I wasn't asked for my vaccine status when I booked the the cruise that I'll, that I just went on, and uh, I wasn't asked to wear a mask, anything like that. Uh, but I bet there still are some cruise lines that are, are are probably glad that they don't have to ask those questions anymore or require people to wear masks anymore. And, and, and you, you have to balance that with still some folks that are still comfortable wearing a mask or, or maybe the employees that are still a little weary of, of having all of these, you know, three or four or 5,000 strangers getting on this ship and they have to stay there all the time. And you still see some of the employees with the masks on. Right. And I do think that's one of the things that has emerged is sort of live and let live, right? If people want to wear masks, nobody's going to judge you for wanting to wear a mask on board a cruise ship, on board a plane. I tell you, I still I, I still wear them on planes because that makes me more comfortable um, in that environment. Uh, and so there is there is a little bit of that, hey, do what you want. Do what makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel safe. Right. Some cruise lines still are requiring um, vaccinations and proof of vaccine. Uh, and and it's also very dependent on destinations as well. So if you are visiting someplace that has specific requirements in place, you are beholden to what those requirements are. And the cruise line will work with you to make sure that, you know, you are doing the right thing. Uh, but ultimately, um, it is a, a lot of, of at the discretion of the ports and the destinations that you're sailing to. My guest is editor-in-chief at Cruise Critic, Colleen McDaniel. You can uh, follow her on Twitter, Instagram, Cruising Colleen. Uh, How badly do you think the cruise companies were hurt by the last three years? Are, Are the passengers coming back? Is the industry coming back? 
Well, absolutely. The industry is coming back. We are hearing and seeing ourselves that booking is exceptionally strong um, for 2023 and beyond. Um, we've heard from cruise lines that they have actually had record bookings for the month of January. Uh, and so the story is really strong. Of course, there were struggles um, that happened and, and debt was taken on. There's no doubt about that. Um, but the return and the outlook is looking really, really bright. Um, um, one of the things that did happen during the pandemic, uh, in part because cruise lines didn't know when they'd be able to return and how long that pandemic would ha uh, would last, is um, they started allowing people to book out farther and farther. Um, you know, started introducing itineraries for two, three years down the road, and so we're seeing people booking really far out too, which is is sort of an exciting trend that is relatively new because of the pandemic. And I think part of of that was because the cruise. Uh, lines were offering remarkable deals. I mean, deals that I had never seen before. And, and it's so hard when you go, I, I, I just don't have the time off to enjoy all these deals or, or the money to enjoy <laughs> them all, right? Uh, have those started to go away or are there still some deals to be had? We are seeing deals. And as a matter of fact, right now is what uh, the industry calls wave season, which essentially is the three months from January through March, uh, where cruise lines will put out their but potentially their strongest deals of the year. Um, one of the trends that we're seeing when it comes to deals is the idea of an add-on perk. Um, so the price might not uh, be a huge discount for you, but your cruise will include things like free Wi-Fi, uh, unlimited drinks package. Um, you might get a uh, discount on your kids traveling with you. Um, you could get free specialty restaurants. It could include your tips, that kind of thing, which are, are potentially real money savers depending on your cruise style. Well, most definitely, because there are um, people that are still sneaking alcohol on board because it's so expensive to get uh, drinks on board unless you have one of their drink packages. And, and, and even with all the, the gratuity fees and I mean, there's a lot of fees involved. It's almost like you you buy the initial cruise and then you have all these added fees and added purchases and added costs that you're going to get, you know, have to deal with when you get on board. Uh, yes, that is true. So a lot of the big cruise ships that, that sail to the you know big destinations like the Caribbean or Alaska do charge extra for things like drinks, like shore excursions, Wi-Fi, etc. Um, certainly some of the more luxury lines, it's more inclusive. So you definitely know what what you're going to pay because you, you pay up front and um, you don't have to worry about getting some of those, those, you know, fees that are added on when you are actually on your cruise, enjoying your time. Yeah. Cause on my trip, the, the, the tips is the first time were automatically added to my bill because it seems like the days of the old leaving a half a dozen envelopes in the room the night, the last night and then <laughs> filling them with some money, right? Some cash has gone away. and It's been replaced with just adding gratuities automatically right there on your folio. Why, why that change? Well, you know, it is a change and it's been it's been really moving toward that for for many years now. Uh, and the idea is this way, uh, those tips, those gratuities get to people you might not think about. Right. So you think, oh, I'm tipping the room steward or the person who, you know, cleans your room and does turn down service. Um, but you're not necessarily tipping the person in the laundry because you don't think about that. So this is a way to say, oh, well, you know, actually, this is a part of this goes to the laundry services people or 
or part of this goes to the, you know, assistant waiter that you might not necessarily know you were working with, that kind of thing. So it's a way of getting the tips and, and dividing them further. Certainly, you don't have to. These these tips are um, a discretionary thing, although um, very much uh, commonplace, especially here in the United States, that we just say, yeah, absolutely. These people deserve the tips. We had a great time. And I don't want to think about it beyond that. But, but are we the also, cruise lines being more like a Spirit or a Frontier Airlines in, in that regard, where you have that low, low price, but you have to then buy your seat and you have to buy a water and you have to buy, I mean, you have to buy all these extra things than when you get on board. Uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case. Uh, the, the tipping is, again, it is discretionary. Those buying of extra things, I think you can think of it like you go to a hotel. Yeah, if you want to buy a bottle of water at a hotel, you're going to pay for that. They have a resort it, charge, though. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't have a resort charge, but they do have port fees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it just, yeah. It, it, and, and to change that, is it, is it frowned upon to change the, the tips if you go? Because you, you can't just do it on, on your little TV. You got to go to the guy down there at the, at the front desk, if you will. Uh, and you have to then explain, well, I want to change my tip to this or this or this. Uh, can, can you, it just seems, I don't know, it, it's, it, it, it kind of bugged me the whole, the whole process. Yeah, they, so it is it is frowned upon because they do want to encourage people to tip for really great service. And one of the things that is very much a part of your cruise experience is that great service. But if you are not having a level of service that you believe, you know, you should be getting, you are absolutely allowed to go change that gratuity. Um, and some people do love tipping in cash. And so yeah. if that's what you like to do, great, you can do that. Um, know that if you tip your room steward in cash, it's likely that that person will end up splitting those um, tips with other people. Um, some people actually, you know, pay the automatic gratuities and tip on top of that, right. um, you know, for the people that they really felt the connection with. Yeah, we've, we've always done that in the past. My guest is Colleen McDaniel, editor-in-chief at Cruise Critic. You can find them at cruisecritic.com. Uh, has the overall inflation rate that we're seeing uh, across the board, has that eaten away at the cruise deals and, and the cruise pricing and maybe some of the passengers? Uh, you know, that inflation rate that we're seeing across the board, it has hit the cruise industry as well. We are seeing some um, higher uh, higher pricing for uh, cruising, but um, it's worth noting that it is a far smaller percentage than you're going to see at hotels or flights. If you have tried to book a hotel or a flight lately, you've seen, you know, anywhere from around 40 uh, percent of, of an increase in rates, um, cruising is, is single digit still. So it is still, um, honestly the best vacation value out there. Yeah. Cause if you look at, let's say getting an ocean view room at any hotel, uh, let's say in Florida, plus you have your food included, plus you have nightly entertainment included, and you have a really nice resort that's taking you to some pretty cool places. The overall value still seems like it's there. It really is. And, you know, yes, prices are going to go up um, at, at the way they're going up uh, across yeah. the uh, well entire world, not just the travel industry. Um, but it, percentage wise, it's a much smaller percentage. When do you think the passenger levels that we saw post or pre pandemic to hit the cruise industry post pandemic? You know, I think we're going to see them this year. Um, I really do. Uh, we are seeing more passengers coming back. Many of the cruise lines are sailing with full ships now. 
Um, as a matter of fact, most of them are sailing with full ships now. Wow. And while cruise lines did uh, get rid of some of their old ships, they have at the same time brought in new ships with more uh, berths, more capacity. And so it does make up for some of the hardware we saw uh, leave the industry during the pandemic. Yeah, and I think some of those gimmicks, if you will, like the on um, on the carnival ships, they think they have a roller coaster, and what celebrity has this uh, deal on the side of the ship that goes up and down, and these major <laughs> lines. I mean, they they have they're trying to differentiate themselves. I think like like celebrity is still more classy than Royal Caribbean, and obviously carnival is still the party atmosphere. Uh, are, are some of these major differences? Hey, th- th- this is why you should come back to us. I think a lot of cruise lines are really trying to make the cruise ships the destination. Uh, you know, it used to be that it was a, a, a vehicle by which you could get to really great destinations. And it still is. You can you go to the Caribbean, you you get to see some of these really great destinations like St. Thomas or uh, St. Martin or Cozumel, any of these, you know, very standard spots on any cruise. Um, but they also know that they want people to come back time and again and they want them to come back to their cruise ships so they want to have the latest and greatest and uh, the best reasons for people to stay on the ship so if they've been to a, a destination a few times they might say you know what i've been here a few times i'm going to stay on the ship and i'm going to enjoy the amenities that the cruise ship has to offer and, and maybe they're trying to separate themselves by like you said their different dining options that you can again pay for if you if you want or those drink options or the Wi-Fi or the tips and all of that is either included or they'll give you a hundred dollars like they did for us a hundred dollar per person in your cabin to spend on the ship yeah absolutely and and it makes you want to stay on board if boy you have a hundred dollar onboard ship credit hmm, maybe a day at the spa isn't a bad idea. Or, gosh, I want to take the family out and do a little bit something special for dinner. I'm going to pay for that specialty dining because I want to have I want to have an experience that's really memorable. My guest is Colleen McDaniel. She's the editor-in-chief there at Cruise Critic. Are there post-pandemic changes that, that you noticed or will be a part of cruising going forward with, with safety or washing hands or, or self-service at the buffets? Are there going to be those uh, changes that we saw during the pandemic continue for years to come? Uh, you know, a few of the changes that we saw during the pandemic are probably here to stay. Um, one of those changes that we saw, uh, for example, a lot of cruise lines went to what they call e-muster. And for those of you who cruise, you know what the muster drill is. But for I for love it. It's actually, I think it's pretty cool when everybody gets together with their life jackets on. I, I, yes. miss, I actually miss that. I, I miss yeah, those days. It's a safety <laughs> drill, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you're, you're getting on your, your cruise and you're excited and you might have a drink or two already. And then they're like, hey, by the way, stop. Everybody put on your life jacket yeah. and meet about the safety drill. Yeah. So now what a lot of cruise lines are doing is they're doing what they're calling e-muster. And it's different depending on the cruise line. Um, but ultimately, it means that you... Um, you don't have to go as a big group all at once to the same place that you, you know, watch a safety video, you listen to the announcements, you go to your muster station, you check in there on your own time uh, on the first day, um, but on your own time. And that has been a really, um, honestly, it's been a nice, nice change that I'm really open, uh, open to seeing. Having done a few muster drills in my life, I enjoy the idea that I can do this on my own. Those are one of my Uh, favorite pictures though, Colleen. I love that picture. (laughs) If you've taken a cruise and you don't have a picture of you and your travel partner wearing the light jacket, 
Have you even cruised? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Have you ever even been there? I mean, seriously, that's that's one of the rites of passage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think, though, that a lot of passengers might say they are they're OK with that particular change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think cruisers are now, as you, as you mentioned, they're, they're looking for the ships to be that destination. What, what else do you think cruisers really want from that ship experience now uh, with, uh, you know, those those different uh, amenities and and fun things to do and, and the slides and all the different um, uh, uh, shows and all those things are, are we going to see more of that or go maybe back to classic cruise ships where it's just more classy yeah i don't think that the classic cruise approach is returning anytime soon um you are right they are cruise lines are really leaning into hey this is a great family option right for many people um that's really important so the water slides or the climbing walls or um the really great uh uh dining is is a perfect option for a family um that said if you don't have a family you can still go on a cruise and have a really wonderful time um i you know my husband and i cruise together just the two of us uh, a lot and um and i love that it's a really great couples vacation or a vacation for groups of couples um to do and so you know they really are leaning into dining uh we're seeing some great dining partnerships celebrity for example um on its newest trip beyond has a partnership with uh danielle balut who is a michelin star chef who has an incredible restaurant in new york city he's brought in a daniel balut experience on board celebrities so that's something you can do um we are seeing spas that are just expansive um and so for folks who are really interested in doing um say a thermal spa experience where you spend a day in the thermal suite utilizing experience showers or infrared saunas um snow rooms these are all options on cruise ships and this these are better than spas that you will find on land they are expansive and they're beautiful and you can while away a lot of time there and you've got this sea view so it's really incredible so there there's truly something for everybody kind of finding your niche and the things that are important to you about your cruise ship. I think one thing that I guess I was disappointed about was that the formal nights are less formal than they ever used to be. That is true. Um, and, you know, it, it, there's sort of two camps on that. Some people are like, oh, I love formal night, two formal nights on a seven night cruise. I looked forward to dressing up and seeing everybody yeah. else dressed up. Others are like, boy, I don't like to dress up. I'm on vacation. I want to get away from, you know, having to dress for work. And don't get me wrong, formal night and how you dress for work aren't necessarily the same style. But, you know, the idea of having a dress style for a lot of people is a real turnoff. Um, what a lot of cruise lines have done is they've, they've relaxed their concept of formal night um, and gone with the idea of chic, um, you know, and, 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 or whatever their phrase is for it. But they're really they're allowing passengers to dress in a way that feels formal to them um but it is not necessarily the uh tux and cocktail gown any longer um some people love it some people really don't love it yeah it's it's not james bond on a cruise ship anymore and and i saw more people i guess at the specialty restaurants some of the fancier specialty restaurants dressing up a little bit more than going to the main dining room 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, dress code is always something that that if you if you come to Cruise Critic and you visit our message boards, you will find many, many threads about dress codes um, because it's something that people have a lot of opinions on. Some cruise lines like Norwegian, for example, Norwegian says, hey, we're freestyle. That means you do what you want when you want. They don't have a dress code the way celebrity might. Right. Um, but even so dress codes change, you know, people, people talk about jeans in the main dining room and how they've always been banned. Well, you know, uh, the, the truth is there are some really nice jeans out there that might cost more than, than an entire outfit I put on. <laughs> so cruise lines have been more open to, um, to jeans in the dining room, but it is always an area of topic. If you want, if you want to talk for a very long time with a cruiser about a topic, talk about dress code. Right. Right. Yeah. My guest is Colleen McDaniel, editor-in-chief at Cruise Critic. You can visit, visit them at cruisecritic.com. Uh, one thing I noticed that was new on, on the uh, Princess Discovery was the uh, pickleball court up on the sports court up top. So you have the yes. basketball, but you also now have pickleball because it's so wildly popular. You, It is wildly popular. And the number of cruise lines that have added pickleball space is really, it, it's 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 a very large number. Um, I sailed on Norwegian Prima, which is Norwegian's newest ship last year. And they have a beautiful pickleball court on there. Um, and they specifically built it for pickleball enthusiasts. And a lot of cruise lines are really, you know, they're not just throwing space on their basketball court. They're actually creating dedicated space. Um, pickleball is wildly popular. And, uh, you know, and so they're they're leaning into that hard. Uh, so if you are a pickleball fan, you are likely to find other enthusiasts on board. Well, that leads me to thinking that there are still themed cruises out there. Are there? I mean, there, there used to be themed cruises all the time for everybody who has a different passion for whatever. And then they would have a big group of people that would all take over a cruise ship and and do whatever they like to do yes there are themed cruises um and they they run the gamut right it might be a motorcycle enthusiast or um it might be uh fans of the golden girls there's a golden girls themed cruise coming up (laughs) um you know there's and it could be music cruises right Right. um six man for example puts on huge music cruises i i was uh did a John Bon Jovi cruise a few years ago. Um, and it was, you know, it was John Bon Jovi, uh, was on board along oh, wow. with a number of other bands. It was music all the time. Um, and it's a totally different cruise experience and it does really attract people who might not have thought they were cruisers, uh, who thought that would never be for me, but then you can catch a catch John Bon Jovi in concert several times on your cruise. Plus, uh, you know, a a number of other bands like Collective Soul was on board our sailing. Um, And you are in an intimate space. Um, You have opportunity to actually pay for and meet um, the celebrities. So there's a lot to be said for that. Another really popular one that I know is coming back is the Star Trek cruise. Um, And same thing, like fans of Star Trek get to go on board and find other fans of Star Trek and then actually meet people who've been on the various uh, versions of the show over the years. And, you know, it, it tends to be sort of a mix of, of the big names and some of the, the lesser known names, but they're always a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm surprised there hasn't been like a big comic con or maybe there has been already a cruise, you know, uh, theme cruises. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's actually been a comic con, but there's certainly uh comic con adjacent like the Star Trek right. one, the walking dead is another one that, um, that they've done as as 
over the years. So um, they definitely have adjacencies that way for sure. One thing I like to do is in, because all the, well, mo- most of the cruise ships, they have uh, uh, casinos, not all of them, but most of them have casinos and, and uh, walking through there, they didn't have a poker table anymore. Well, a traditional one, it was this video poker thing, which is really weird. And it, it just doesn't, it's not the same without a dealer and everybody just holding their own cards. It just, it didn't feel right. Oh, well, you know, I, it, it, it is a little bit different approach and I'm, I, I, you know, I know some ships are, are, are moving toward more of the, the video games, but I, you know what, they're doing it in Vegas too. Like, you know, you want to go sit at a, sit at the bar and play the poker machine. You are absolutely able to do that there too. So, um, they still, you know, for the, for those in-person games, you can absolutely play, uh, a lot of them have craps or yeah. blackjack as an option, but yeah, I, they might have poker tournaments, um, and that might that might uh, suit yeah, you. Yeah, but it was still like, on this in this video. It's and it's a full size table, and you're sitting there like you would with uh, like a regular uh, poker room, but it's this oh. screen thing in front of you that shows your cards, and you kind of push them, and you can see what the two cards you have, and you use the screen to bet, and so it's, there's like no money in front of you, so you can't oh. you do it. It's just it's the weirdest feeling. <laughs> About the only benefit, yeah, no. About the only benefit is you don't hear the guys that are able to, you know, do the shuffling with their chips. You don't hear that, which is good. But but otherwise, it just it doesn't have the same feeling. Yeah, no, I I know yeah. exactly what you mean. So uh, I I remember in, in years past, uh, I went on the uh, it was the Royal Caribbean. It was the oh, it was the world's largest cruise ship at the time. It'll it'll pop to me later. But it was one with like six thousand people on board. Right. Uh, and, and but we stopped at you know the the. Royal Caribbean Island, and we've been on Disney cruises where we stop at their private island, um, and, and I think they are expanding them, right? Isn't that going to be one of those maybe draws to bring people into certain cruise lines because they have their own private island that they can out- outfit however they want? Yeah, you, you're you're dead right there. Um, it is something that we saw really um, picking up some momentum going into the pandemic. Um, private islands are exactly that. These are islands that the cruise line has exclusive access to. They've built up to be a, an extension, honestly, of the onboard experience. And so if you're on Disney's island, it actually feels a little bit like like going to Disney World, right? There, you have beautiful beaches and stuff, but there are are, are parts that feel very Disneyfied. Um, and Royal Caribbean um, spent a lot of money uh, investing in um, Coco Key, uh, really putting in water slides and a water park and a swim up uh, pool with a big swim up bar and all these amazing areas. And they rebranded it Perfect Day at Coco Key, um, and it is a really great experience. And for some people. That's the reason they want to go on these Royal Caribbean ships so they can spend time at these great private islands that are just, it's a mix of sun and fun. Your cruise card works there. You don't have to worry about pulling out cash um, and your drink package applies. So if you bought a drinks package on board, it'll apply while you're on the island as well. Um, And we're seeing cruise lines really investing more into building out their private islands. Uh, MSC, for example, just um, has has really invested in a new private island called Ocean Key. And um, it's this beautiful little spot that is um, built on really what is a reclamated area of... um, uh, it used to be, a, a, I think, a, a cement and sand quarry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful now. Wow. Um, and they're really investing in, like, you know, 
in the environment and bringing back coral and yeah. bringing back the, the 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 marine life there. It was Symphony of the Seas. Is the that Symphony? Big, yeah, yes, the, lovely ship. Oh man, it was fantastic. It was unbelievable how big that ship was, but didn't feel as big as it was. And it was just, yeah, it was a great cruise. Uh, you, you tell me about MSC. I, we were actually booked on an MSC cruise for the spring break when the pandemic started and obviously had to cancel because the, you know, everything was being canceled. How, how do their cruise fares work? Cause it seems like they're a little bit different with these different levels of your cruise and what's included and what's not it, it, it but they also seem so much less expensive than everybody else. So MSC is a, um, you, you might recognize the name if you're not familiar with them in cruise, you might recognize their name from um, shipping, from a shipping industry, because they are one of the giants in the shipping industry. Um, they have had a beautiful cruise product in Europe for a long time, and they introduced uh, the U.S. to cruising with MSC Divina. I'm going to mess up the number, but it has to be probably six years ago or so. Um, but their passenger base had typically been Italian. Um, and European. They're an Italian company um, with Italian roots. And so that was very much the product that they brought over. Um, and so if you are looking for something a little bit different, that is, you know, it, it's a product that is, yes, Americans will, you know, people speak English, all of that, but it's really based on, you know, Italian service and Italian style. And even a lot of the cuisine is very Italian focused. And so um, they've made a lot of inroads here in the United States. Um, they are, uh, their starting fares do tend to be on the cheaper side. Um, that is something that I think is they're just trying to really reintroduce the brand to folks who might not know it. Um, it's obviously a really nice lure is to have a, a, a very low intro price. Um, one of the things I love about MSC is they have uh, an exclusive uh, suite area called the Yacht Club. And this isn't new in cruising in that Norwegian also has a very nice um, area called the Haven. And some other cruise lines Celebrity, are, are really, I think, has something similar. Yeah, the retreat. Yeah. So same sort of thing. But um, MSC is one of the first to do it. And their Yacht Club experience is really nice. So, uh, And one of the things I really like about it is it's actually not just suites. Um, it's truly an exclusive area. So if you want to get a little bit of an exclusive experience that comes with a butler and your own pool area and your own restaurant for people in the yacht club, you actually can get that on MSC with an inside cabin. Um, and so this is something I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, which inside cabins typically are not are your cheapest cabins. Uh, it's obviously going to be more expensive in the yacht club, but you can get a yacht club experience without booking a suite. And I think that's something really cool that MSC does. And it's one of to me, it's one of the best values out there. But but then does MSC charge me and nickel and dime me for all kinds of other things when I get on board? Is that how they can offer the lower introductory fare when I when I book the cruise? MSC is on par with with many of the other cruise lines, so you are going to pay more for your specialty dining, for your drinks, for you know your gratuities, etc. Okay, because I, I still would like to try them. Actually, my in laws are going to try them. I think this fall, so I'll, I'll get a full detail report from them when they when they get back. And, and it, it seems like that not, not only are there the the biggest ships that they can bring and, and find and build that they want to get 6,000, like on, on my symphony of the seas, I think it was five or 6,000 people on that ship. And it was amazing, but, yeah. but are, 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 is our smaller ships are thing. Is that going to be maybe attract more people where you have more of an intimate feeling where you're not on this uh, ship with five or 6,000 people on it? Uh, yes, it's it's a trend we're seeing, and it's really hot right now. Um, we are seeing people interested in small ships. 
Um, we are, uh, and when I say small ships, we're talking 200, 100 passengers. Um, one of the trends that we are seeing is, um, is the approach to having sort of a yacht, like, like a mega yacht experience um on a cruise ship um for example emerald cruises uh came out with emerald azura last year which is a hundred passengers it is a beautiful ship and as a matter of fact cruise critic named it its best uh new luxury ship wow. for 2022 it is a beautiful experience it does feel like you're on your own private yacht it's the kind of ship that you see in port and even if you don't like ships even if you don't care about ships it would make you stop and go, what is that? Um, it's sister cruise lines. Phoenix is also um, taking the same approach with some yachts. Um, Ritz Carlton, a huge name in hotels has just come out with their first ship of Rima, a um, little bit bigger than uh, what I mentioned with Emerald Waterways. But again, it's very yacht-like in its approach. And so that small ship experience is, is definitely out there. Um, it is catching people who want something that's a little bit more intimate who want to be able to go into some of the smaller ports that maybe the big ships can't reach or they can't reach by ship and you might have to get there by bus. P people looking for that experience are really uh, drawn to this kind of cruising. As I wrap up my discussion with Colleen McDaniel, editor-in-chief over at Cruise Critic, you can find her on Twitter and on Instagram at uh, Cruising Colleen. Uh, I've, I've always been intrigued with, with two different ideas. When, when I get older, I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to retirement every single day. Uh, to do things. I've heard a lot of people like to retire on a cruise ship and it could, <laughs> because you can get the loyalty points, obviously. And, and I don't know how you deal with really healthcare because I don't think the ship's doctors are all that great, but maybe you have a doctor in Mexico and that you're stopping in Mexico and then you see your doctors or in another country, something like that. But how, how do they deal with, let's say, an emergency where people are uh, are retiring on a ship do they do they just deal with it that way or you know just get them off the ship and they don't deal with them or they can only cut deal with the cuts and bruises or that kind of thing well you know uh, you all cruise ships do have medical centers um interestingly when you're talking about retiring on a ship um you know one of the things i think about right away are a lot of cruise lines offer world cruises which is sort of a version of retiring on a ship these are extensive cruises we're talking 150 days uh, or more uh we just got an email from a cruise line uh the other day that's offering a three-year world cruise wow. um so uh and these these are out there and a lot of these world cruises actually come with things that you wouldn't think about like health insurance um and and laundry and that sort of thing making it easier to to spend that amount of time at sea because that is a long time um so that's one thing um, when it comes to medical emergencies cruise lines have medical centers they are able to handle a variety of ailments Serious ailments, you will be disembarked. You will you will be put into a hospital, the nearest hospital, as soon as you can be, because you know they they want you to get the best care with the most extensive equipment that you can. But cruise lines are able to handle medical emergencies, and they do often, um, anywhere from a sprained ankle to you know a, a, a cardiac arrest. Um, and so they're able to handle those, but ultimately they want people to, uh, you know, go ashore <laughs> to get yeah. the best treatment. Um, I'll, I'll tell a, a little bit of a personal story. Um, my father had a stroke years ago, um, and he was on a cruise afterward and on board the cruise ship, um, he had a fall, um, and had a seizure and had a medical emergency and he was brought to the medical, uh, facility, 
on board. They treated him. They gave him fluids. They were able to um, make sure that he was no longer seizing, that he was no longer in danger. The next day, we were in port in Aruba, and um, there was an ambulance waiting for my father. And he went to Aruba, they cleared him, and he was able to come back to the ship and enjoy the rest of the cruise. Um, but they were very able to handle my father's medical emergency, which wasn't a minor medical emergency. Um, so they're able to do that. And all cruise ships are able to handle that. They do have doctors who can handle it. But ideally, they do get people ashore um, to make sure that they are okay yeah. uh, and get the treatment they need. I'm sure that was a scary experience for you. And secondarily, then did you have to worry about the, the ship didn't pay for the medical care off the ship, did it? So you would have to have some uh, kind of travel not, insurance? Yeah, my, yeah, my parents had travel insurance, oh, okay. which covered everything. It covered everything. And um, yeah, it was, I, I will say um, it was, yes, it was scary. <laughs> There's nothing worse than hearing your parents' cabin number called out over the, right. <laughs> the PA system on a cruise ship. Um, but they had a team of people who were equipped to, handle my mother's concerns to calm me down to, you know, it, it was, um, if you have to have a medical emergency, <laughs> it yeah. is good to have people who will talk you down from it. Right. I always thought it would also be neat to work on a cruise ship. And uh, I don't know what kind of skills I have. I, I, I obviously I wouldn't <laughs> want to work in the kitchen. Uh, I, I want to have more of a cushy gig, but, uh, I, I would think that'd be kind of interesting at least for maybe one tour of duty. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like um, it would be a fascinating way of doing it. I have no idea what I could do. Um, I see the skills that the crew members have on board, and I'm like, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I would have no idea how to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. If but there's a lot of people somebody... in the industry, like entertainment, you know, division that like there's there's people I know that just only play the guitar, right, or the piano, right. and so they just do that, and they're not, you know, out there uh, also, uh, you know, getting your dishes or anything while the buffet's going on. They just do their thing, or the people that are in the stage performances. There's there's people that handle the lights and things, uh, or the technical guys that are just working for those stage performances, but don't do anything else on the ship, and that it can't be that bad. I, I I think that they're pretty they pretty well stick with it and they are on contracts right so they're there for a certain number of shows or a certain number yeah. of weeks whatever it, it looks like um, but yeah that that would be maybe there's a way I can get into that I don't I don't know if I've got a talent that um, that would get me on board yeah I can talk I can talk maybe they have like the cruise TV and I could do oh. that. See? There you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think we have an idea here. Yeah, see, so you could be the writer. I mean, you, 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 uh, you know, I have some doofus me. I could talk on TV. So there you go. You got we we got a show already. <laughs> Perfect. Fantastic. Uh, Colleen, uh, I appreciate all your uh, in insights and uh, all your knowledge. Colleen McDaniel, editor in chief at Cruise Critic. Uh, you can obviously read all about it in uh, cruisecritic.com. Thanks so much for being here and uh, for all your time. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a ton of fun. Again, cruisecritic.com is uh, the website. You also have the contact information in the description of this show. And you heard Colleen mention that three-year world cruise. Well, I looked it up while we were talking, and it, and it launches November 1st. It's called the Life at Sea Cruise. It's going to stop at 135 different countries, covers 130,000 miles, I guess that would be nautical miles, uh, and visits 375 ports across the globe. It really is amazing. You just look at the map, and it's just basically carving out the world all around every uh, every coastline of every continent. And it goes out to, it looks like uh, um, 
Easter Island, and it goes out to maybe the Galapagos and uh, some of the other islands that are, you know, in the uh, uh, South uh, Pacific and also some of the other islands that are in the uh, Indian Ocean. Uh, but there's 14 offices on board to work from, so if you need to work, not that I would want to work uh, on a cruise like that, I guess you can. And they have 400 rooms for housing. Uh, they're going to take about 1,074 guests, and, and a standard cabin, it's, I think she mentioned it, it costs thirty thousand dollars per year per person, and, and that's a it, it's a pretty small room. I think it's a pretty standard cruise, one hundred thirty square feet. I think that's pretty standard. It's basically like a uh, pretty large uh, bedroom in your house, about one hundred thirty square uh, thirty. Yeah, about one hundred thirty square feet. Uh, that includes the bathroom. I, I don't know. I think that's an inside room, and doesn't include one with a balcony. Um, but I'm sure you would pay a little bit more for one with a balcony. Uh, the most expensive cabin is the suite with a with a very wide balcony. That'll set you back $110,000 per person per year. And that's probably assuming that you're going to have two people in your room. Same thing for the $30,000 one. Uh, but that one has 322 square feet, uh, including the outdoor space. So that's, that's a pretty good amount of space. Uh, I'm sure it's going to feel somewhat confined after a long time on the cruise. I, I would do fine in a standard room with even just a porthole, but I would like to have a balcony. Um, depends on how much it would be. But what's what's included? That That's what you're asking next. Uh, all your meals, all your beverages, accommodations, your Wi-Fi, medical visits, and all activities on board, including all the port taxes and service charges. You'll even get uh, like wine at dinner included in your meal. Uh, usually it's, it's rare to find any of that in the cruising world, you, you, but you can bring alcohol on board with you. So it's not like the other cruises right now where you're uh, not allowed to bring. Well, I guess you are allowed to bring in some cruises, like maybe a six pack or a couple bottles of wine, uh, that sort of thing per, per, uh, but if you do bring in more, they, they would let you like the princess cruise, they would let you bring on more than just two bottles of wine, but you'd have to pay a $15 corkage fee. Well, anyway, on this one, they, they don't do that. You can bring whatever you want on board, uh, but you do have to pay extra for spa services and any, um, super, you know, different medical procedures or medicines. Uh, the score, the shore excursions are, are more, uh, you know, more money. Uh, there's certain premium services, I guess, cost more money. If you want uh, a permanent office space to call your own so you can work on the ship, that will also cost you some more money. So maybe it can be a, a working uh, life while you're on the cruise. Because uh, I think they're going to have that um, uh, a pretty good Wi-Fi access. I, you would think so if they're, if they're including it in, in the voyage. Uh, and it's also an all-or-nothing kind of deal. So you have to book for all three years. You can't just book for one year or six months. You have to go for all three years, and so you have to pay it all. So let's say it's a couple in an inside cabin for thirty grand a year per person. So that's sixty thousand dollars. So one hundred eighty thousand dollars for three years. And really, when you think about it, at sixty thousand dollars for the year for a couple, that's really not that bad when you include all your food and all your entertainment. You're going places. Um, that that's actually not that bad of a uh, of a price tag, uh, for 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 I, I would think for a, for a lot of people. Um, one interesting point uh, on the ship website that I saw, uh, and there there could be advantages of being an international resident aboard the ship, and what kind of taxes you have to pay on any income that you make while you're working. So let's say you do have an office space there, and you are working and generating income. It it, it's, it was talking about there are some tax advantages of being an international resident aboard the ship. 
And so I, I wonder what those are. I'm not a tax professional, so you don't, don't quote me on that. But I, I would love that opportunity. That would be so much fun. Uh, anyway, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always get me on the contact links of the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Colleen again for being here. And until next time, I'm Jason Liber, the traffic guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.